0: CNN is rightfully desperate to get those fantastic Trump ratings back. They mm-hmm. were ratings like none other, and mm-hmm. they want them back. Mm-hmm. They made me a deal I couldn't refuse. Could be the beginning of a new and vibrant CNN with no more fake news, or it could be a total disaster for all, including
1: me.
2: Yeah, I think that last one. I think that's the one it was. Definitely. Well, done. That's why I got the feeling there's something right. No way! I'm so scared in case I fall off my chair, and I'm wondering how I'll get down the stairs. Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right. Here I am, stuck I in am. the middle with you. I am. From Pacifica Radio in Los Angeles, this is the Bradcast. That's heard on KPFK 90.7 FM in LA. Also in California in Red Bluff and Redding on KFOI and Round Mountains KKRN. Up in Oregon on the Central Coast on KYAQ, Cottage Grove's Queso, Eugene's KEPW, Lanchester, Pennsylvania's W News, Maui, Hawaii's KAKU. In Columbus, Ohio on WGRN, we're going to talk about Ohio today. In Palinville, New York, on WLPP, Rochester, New York, WRFZ. Down in New Orleans, on WHIV, out in Gallup, New Mexico, on KNIZ. Concord, New Hampshire, we're going to talk about you too, on WNHN, Fayetteville, Arkansas, KPSQ. In Seattle, on KODX, Janesville, Wisconsin's WADR. And Minneapolis, St. Paul's, AM950KTNF. We also stream coast to coast and around the globe. Every day on the internets, on the Progressive Voices Channel, Netroots Radio, Radio for Humans, Sandler.com, Radio Free Brooklyn, Workforce Rising, No Lies Radio, Verdon Square Radio, and Detour Talk, Blanketing Planet Earth. I'm Brad Friedman, your friendly investigative blogger, journalist, troublemaker, muckraker, and all-around swell fellow. Says me from Bradblog.com, your unflinching, progressive, pro-democracy news headquarters for the better part of the last 20 exhausting years. And I I do feel exhausted today (laughs) for some reason. I'm tripping over myself there in the opening. By the way, Desi Doyen, uh, I should note, we'll also be talking about uh, the folks up at our uh, affiliate in uh, Minneapolis-St. Paul. Yes, we will. A little bit later uh, this evening, afternoon, evening, whenever this is. Ears
1: up, Minnesota.
2: Yes. Uh, Okay, Uh, coming up, we had uh, not one, uh, but two landmark donald trump events this week whether we like it or not the uh, unanimous jury finding in new york federal court holding him liable for sexually abusing and defaming magazine columnist e Jean carroll and the embarrassing and grotesque geyser of lies that he was allowed to endlessly tell live on cnn for some reason On their so-called town hall on Wednesday night from New Hampshire, about which I know many Trump foes are understandably furious today. But uh, stepping back to look at the larger picture, should they be furious? We will discuss some of that and more with our uh, guest for all landmark Trump news, one way or another. That would be the one and only Heather Digby Parton of Salon and Hullabaloo. She will be with us shortly. And we have uh, another brand spanking new and fresh Green News Report for you a little bit later this hour. Yes, we do. The delightful Desiree Doyen. Uh, But quickly, first, in a a follow-up to a story that we've been covering in recent weeks, an effort by Republicans in Ohio to make it harder to change the state constitution faced a critical juncture on Wednesday. It was the last day to get the job done if lawmakers wanted to put a related ballot measure before voters in a special election on August 8th. The Ohio back and forth about this uh, measure comes amid similar Republican efforts to restrict democracy in states like Missouri, North Dakota, and Mississippi. In Ohio, a pressure campaign of intense lobbying and attack ads is being led by the anti-choice group called Ohio Right to Life. While opposition to this uh, measure to calling a special August election to place a constitutional amendment on the ballot in advance of the November general election this year, was opposed by a number of high-profile Ohio political figures and the general public. At stake is the future of abortion access in the Buckeye State, as well as the legality of marijuana, the minimum wage, reform of Ohio's political map-making system, to get away, maybe someday, somehow from gerrymandering in that corrupted state. All of these are subjects of burgeoning constitutional amendment campaigns in Ohio. So, what has been going on in the uh, assembly there affects a whole bunch of stuff moving forward. The resolution in the state house on Wednesday would send a proposal to the ballot in a special August election seeking to require 60% of the Ohio electorate in order to pass all future constitutional changes. Passage of the proposal, ironically, would require merely 50% plus one, a simple majority, The same simple majority that has been in place since 1912 when it comes to changes to the Constitution in Ohio. But for now, all of a sudden, for some reason, Republican lawmakers in the state want to change that. Abortion is legal in Ohio up to 20 weeks gestation because a court has blocked a near ban on the procedure. Uh, that Republicans are trying to put in place while a lawsuit unfolds. But abortion rights groups, meanwhile, they're working to put put forward a ballot measure in November this year that would permanently enshrine a right to abortion in the state's constitution. The effort in the GOP-controlled state legislature, however, would place state lawmakers' proposal before voters this August in advance uh, of of the uh, abortion amendment before that could come up for a vote just a few months later in November. Now, certain GOP lawmakers had been working to set a special election in August where voters could choose to curtail their own rights to bypass lawmakers on that and other subjects, though everyone seems to agree this is a matter of preventing democracy from taking place specifically on the abortion measure in November. Backers of the special election in August, before we can get to November, would force all future ballot propositions to reach 60%, to reach that 60% threshold. Backers argue publicly that the supermajority requirement will prevent uh, deep-pocketed interest groups from targeting Ohio's founding documents.
1: <laughs> yeah, sure. Sure, well, that's what they're really, really going. That's what really going, about, yes, right? Yes, of course
2: it is. Yeah, well, as it turns out, documents and uh, other evidence have made very clear that the push is aimed specifically at tanking the abortion measure. But AP VoteCast, for example, uh, has an expansive survey of over 90,000 midterm election voters across the country. They found... 59 percent, 59 percent of Ohio voters say abortion should generally be legal. Just less than 60 percent. Go figure. In fact, since the U.S. Supreme Court overturned its landmark Roe v. Wade ruling last year, guaranteeing a uh, federal constitutional right to reproductive freedom last year, other states' amendments involving the procedure have shown voter support for legal access to abortion to be between about 50 percent and 60 percent. So greater, uh, 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 certainly a majority, but just less than 60 percent, whether that's in conservative Kansas, Democratic leaning Michigan, Republican leaning Kentucky, No vote on the ballot statewide has exceeded 60%. But I'm sure that's just a coincidence for Ohio lawmakers, right? They're really only concerned about what they describe as a Constitutional Protection Act aimed at keeping deep-pocketed special interests out of Ohio's foundational documents.
1: Well, that is certainly an Orwellian name.
2: Ain't it, though? It's also curious, given that the effort to place the uh, GOP lawmakers amendment on the ballot in a special August election is being supported almost entirely by a newly formed group named the Save Our Constitution PAC, which has been running attack ads against Republicans who oppose any element, any element of this plan. The Save Our Constitution PAC, as it turns out, received one point one million dollars from billionaire Richard Uleam, a GOP mega donor from Illinois, and, as it turns out, he is the PAC's only donor so far, according to the Columbus Dispatch, even as a key argument among proponents of the 60 percent measure is that it is needed to keep, quote, out-of-state special interests (laughs) from accessing Ohio's founding document. Told you it was Orwellian. Seriously. Seriously. Uh, Opponents of the measure include the uh, labor backed. We are Ohio coalition, which launched an immediate opposition campaign. Other opponents include every living ex-governor of the state of Ohio, five Republican and Democratic former attorneys general and the Ohio Libertarian Party. Thank you, Libertarians. Proponents include the state's Republican secretary of state, Frank LaRose, however, even though he led the charge for support of a provision just four months ago in an election reform package in Ohio that was passed by the state legislature and signed by the Republican governor, Mike DeWine, who also supports this new measure, by the way, that finally ended August special elections just four months ago. They found them to be low turnout affairs. They're too expensive to the state just four months ago. But now LaRose and DeWine are backing the addition of a new August election that would cost Ohio taxpayers about $20 million. And if it sounds hypocritical and pernicious, that's only because those are the strongest words I think I can use to describe it on FCC radio. DeWine even pledged to sign the bill, creating this, acknowledging, quote, it's inconsistent, unquote, with provisions of the election bill that he just signed. In addition to uh, raising the threshold needed to pass a constitutional amendment for the first time in more than 100 years, the measure also adds a requirement that signatures must now come from all 88 Ohio counties instead of just 44 when citizens want to place something on the ballot. It also shortens the 10-day so-called cure period during which organizers can collect additional signatures if they fall short or after some signatures may be disqualified. Hundreds of protesters gathered at the state capitol on Wednesday, the last chance to pass this measure. The final day to create an August election this year before the November election when that abortion uh, uh, measure is likely to be on the ballot. Well, GOP lawmakers ignored those hundreds of protesters at the state capitol. Ohio voters will get the chance to decide whether to make it harder to pass constitutional amendments just ahead of the possible November vote on an amendment that would enshrine abortion rights into the state. The measure that uh, voters will decide if they want to, you know, take away their own power By voting in favor of, that measure cleared the House on Wednesday, 62 to 37, with just five majority Republicans in the heavily gerrymandered GOP House joining all of the Democrats in opposing it after the policy uh, battle had consumed the state for months. But Kayla Griffin of All Voting is Local, a voting rights organization that's part of the We Are Ohio coalition, said lawmakers, quote, should not underestimate us when we show up in August. Jen Miller, the executive director at the League of Women Voters of Ohio, said, quote, we call on every Ohioan to knock on doors to phone to phone bank, to register voters and to not just let them know there is an August election, but that our ability to determine our own futures as voters is is on the line so when i say that we are pro-democracy here at the bradcast this is what i'm talking about we do not support capital d democrats we support small d democrats those who are pro-democracy from whatever party or no party even if right now that largely rules out the near entirety of today's Republican Party, which is decidedly anti-democracy. With no election or issue that they are not willing to undermine or attempt to steal from the voters if it pleases their billionaire oligarchic campaign funders. And that is also true for those Republicans and Democrats who are actively fighting against democracy Across the globe, in places like Ukraine, where millions are now putting their very lives on the line, in the fight for democracy, and against the autocratic, imperialist invasion of Vladimir Putin's Russia. One guy who underscored that yet again on Wednesday night, who underscored that he stands not with small-D Democrats, but with the autocrats like Putin is our former authoritarian-in-waiting former president who made his love for autocracy all too clear yet again during a live, for some reason, primetime town hall from New Hampshire on CNN. Heather Digby Parton joins us next to help me and hopefully you make sense of all of that. I'm Brad Friedman, and this is the Pro-Democracy Broadcast.
1: You're listening to The Bradcast. We are 100% listener-supported, thanks to listeners like you, who drop by bradblog.com slash donate.
2: Welcome back. It's The Bradcast. Brad Friedman from bradblog.com. During a contentious CNN town hall Wednesday night, as AP describes it, I think I think accurately, though contentious does not really seem exactly right to me, perhaps predictably contentious or opportunistically contentious. Maybe that gets us a little bit closer. In any event, former President Donald Trump dug in on his lies about the 2020 election, downplayed the violence on January 6, 2021, and repeatedly insulted the woman who a civil jury this week found him liable for. For sexually abusing and defaming. He also refused to say whether he wants Ukraine to win the war against imperialistic Russian aggression, despite being asked over and over and over again, and said the U.S. quote, might as well default on its debt obligation for the first time in U.S. history despite likely devastating economic consequences of such a default, even if one of those consequences is almost certainly seen by him, correctly or not, as boosting his chances of returning to the White House in next year's presidential election. Perhaps to his only credit during the embarrassing 75 minutes or so circus staged by CNN, he admitted that he opposed using the debt ceiling for negotiation when he was president, only because, as he admitted on Wednesday night, he was president at the time. It was a rare moment of acknowledgement of his seemingly endless, duplicitous, self-serving hypocrisy. As AP states, the live televised event held in early voting New Hampshire underscored the challenges of fact-checking Trump in real time as he unapologetically repeated lie after lie after lie after lie, but was actually cheered on and applauded by an audience of Republicans and supposedly unaffiliated voters who say that they plan to vote in the GOP primary as moderator CNN's uh, Caitlin Collins sometimes struggled with the impossible job, which no one person should have ever been asked to do, Of trying to correct the record as Trump steamrolled her with untrue statements, turning on her at one point to call her a, quote, nasty person, as she had the temerity to continue to try anyway to correct his lies throughout the primetime CNN presentation. Trump on Wednesday repeatedly doubled down on his lies that the 2020 election had been, quote, rigged, even though state and federal election officials and his own campaign and his own White House aides and his own Department of Justice, dozens of courts, including Republican judges, some of whom he appointed. And as we've recently learned, two different research firms that his own campaign hired to ferret out fraud at the cost of hundreds of thousands, thousands of dollars. All of those folks have said repeatedly there is zero, zero evidence to support Trump's fraudulent claims about fraud as he turned out to be the loser in 2020. He also displayed no remorse for what happened on January 6th. He offered false excuses for his delayed response that day. As he fell silent for more than three hours while the carnage of an insurrection that he incited unfolded at the nation's capital, he lashed out at a black police officer who shot and killed writer Ashley Babbitt, calling him a thug, despite a Justice Department finding that the shooting was in fact justified, and said that he is inclined to pardon, quote, a large portion of those insurrectionists and seditionists many of whom assaulted police officers who were charged in the attack. The uh, primetime forum was the first major television event of the 2024 presidential campaign and Trump's first interview appearance on CNN since before the 2016 election. Democrats and other pro-democracy fans questioned whether he should be given the airtime at all which is a good question that I hope to discuss with my guest shortly. But I should also note, despite all of the news that was, in fact, broken by his appearance on Wednesday, the question about whether he should be given live primetime airtime at all was, well, it was that question got much larger on Tuesday after jurors in New York found Trump had sexually abused and defamed columnist E. Jean Carroll, nearly three decades ago, awarding her $5 million in damages. And after just a few weeks ago, Trump was also criminally indicted with 34 felony counts in New York. Should someone like that be given a primetime platform on CNN? President Joe Biden responded to the uh, town hall on Twitter, writing, quote, It's simple, folks. Do you want four more years of that? If you don't pitch in to our campaign, tweeted our old friend Heather Digby Parton of Salon and uh, her long running blog, Digby's Hullabaloo, as all of this embarrassing spectacle played out on CNN Wednesday night, quote, Fox News voters will be very happy if they tune in ragging on Biden and talking about Trump as if he's a perfectly normal politician. Hey, just because he's a lying, coup plotting, sex abusing, document stealing, twice impeached insurrectionist doesn't mean he's not a good guy. Digby then later added, quote, it's also depressing, not because of him. He's always been a demented ignoramus, but because half of the people voted for this, many of them ecstatic that he's their leader, it's got to be the lead in the water. I think she may be on to something there, as I'm not sure what else explains uh, as well, the demented disconnect from reality and, frankly, humanity exhibited by many, if not most, of the New Hampshire voters on hand in the live audience on Wednesday. Joining us now as is the tradition whenever there is a major Trump-related news event that we can't figure out how to ignore, at least since the day he came down his golden escalator to lurch the nation and planet toward political anarchy and potential Armageddon, is our old friend and award-winning blogger and columnist Heather Digby Parton. Oh, Heather. Welcome back, my friend, to the show that apparently never ends.
0: <laughs> the Trump show. Yes, well, thanks for having me. I, I guess,
2: <laughs> yeah, thanks for being had there There has been um if if it's even possible. More huge news over the past week than usual, it seems to me. So frankly, I'm not even sure where to begin. But before we get to the to the town hall, Heather, uh, let me get your thoughts on the E. Jean Carroll jury verdict on Tuesday. I actually had wanted to call you that day. We already had another uh, other plans for that day. But um uh, the, the the verdict on Tuesday, unanimously finding Trump liable of sexual abuse and defamation to the tune of $5 million. Let me ask you about your thoughts on Tuesday before we get to what was done with that verdict by Wednesday night on CNN.
0: Well, obviously, I was I was very happy to see that they got a unanimous verdict on that and that it, she was found to have been sexually abused by Donald Trump as, you know, 20 some odd, you know, over two dozen other women have claimed similar, mm-hmm. two of whom testified in the case, and that he, he was found to have defamed her by the things that he said publicly about her, you know, she's not my type, it mm-hmm. never happened, you know, she's a as he said, he defamed her again mm-hmm. in the in the uh, town hall when yeah. he called her a whack job, mm-hmm. uh, and worse. Um, but you know, I was I was very happy to see that. But I was also, you know, I didn't want to really celebrate too much because I really believe, and I know that this maybe sounds crazy, but I believe that this is actually a selling point for him with mm. his people. I I don't believe that these people actually. Even if they believe, don't believe that, even if they do understand that he actually did this, mm-hmm. I think they see it uh, in the same light as when he said in, Hillary, in the uh, debate with Hillary Clinton, you know, she said, you, didn't, you haven't paid any taxes. He said, that's right, it's because I'm smart. The same thing is with him saying that he, in the deposition, and repeating again in the town hall, well, you know, this is how it is. This is this is what people in my position do. We do this thing. You know what I mean he said it explicitly. Mm-hmm. You know they let you do it when you're a star they let you do it you can do anything. And in the deposition he said in the trial he said you know a million it's been true for a million years. That this is what it is, fortunately or unfortunately. I mean, he actually thought, you know, added the word "fortunately", fortunately in yeah, there. Right. And and she said, "Well, do you, are, you know, are you a star?" And he said, uh, "Well, yeah, I, mm-hmm. you know, I think so. You know, I, yeah, I am." And and so, you know, basically, when he comes out and says these things, that that people find that very appealing because they it, his people, not normal people, but you know, people yeah. who vote for him. They find that very appealing, well, and and I think it works for him, which is pathetic and disgusting.
2: Well, and I'm glad you pointed out that his pe- it works for, for his people, because, you know, again, as you note, he, he defamed her again on Saturday night, and he claimed, I believe falsely, that his poll numbers had gone up since the verdict came in, but... Is there actually credible evidence that these indictments and these, you know, against him and these verdicts against him, et cetera, actually do help him among the electorate? Or is it only among the Republican electorate and and, and potentially only the arguably so the, the Republican primary electorate? I, you know, I see a lot of hand wringing. Um, you know, oh, this is, uh, is it, or, or at least these are claims from Republicans, oh, this is only going to make him stronger. But is it actually going to make him stronger, or only for the people who were inclined to vote for him anyway?
0: Well, I think it makes him stronger with, as you say, the Republican electorate, the primary electorate. Mm-hmm. It makes him stronger against Ron DeSantis, because the mm-hmm. people who were attracted to Ron DeSantis because he's a big jerk um, are you know they they there's Trump proving that no one can out jerk him. <laughs> right, I mean he's exactly. the worst of the worst. <laughs> yeah. But as for the as for the rest of the country, no, of course not. I mean look, the, the the reality is he barely won in 2016, and he hasn't won an election since then. And and you know the idea is that somehow he's this juggernaut that's going to race through the electorate, and he's going to win going away. Is ridiculous. Now, of course, it'll be close because there are a lot of those people. Mm-hmm. There are tens of millions of people who think that this is just either great or it's not a big deal, right? They look at this, yeah, and say, yeah whatever, and that's a, that's the portion of the Republican electorate who is kind of kind of going, yeah, I don't really care for that, but, but that's not important. I care. They always say I care about his policies. I uh, don't even know right. his policies are. You know, right. so. So no, I do not agree with this idea that this makes him stronger. It generally speaking, but yeah, it does make him stronger with the Republican with base. They the, love
2: this stuff. Well, th- sure, they love this stuff. But I can't, fi- you know, and, and this sort of uh, takes us into uh, my my questions for you on the town hall. I, you know, I I can't believe that any of this helps. To gain Republican voters, it no. may keep some of them, but I don't believe that anybody who was, you know, either not going to vote or was going to vote for a Democrat is suddenly like, yeah, you know what? I think I'm going to go for the sexual uh, assaulter instead. <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, and right, the, the guy
0: who called called the uh, the victim a whore on right. national TV, yeah. basically.
2: I, yeah, the, the the serial liar. I think all of those lies have convinced me. I'm on board now. I just don't, <laughs> I don't know that, uh, you know, because. A lot of people complain well, I'm getting ahead of myself. Let me first get your 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 general sort of top line thoughts on the on the CNN town hall on uh, on Wednesday night, in New Hampshire before I get to some some of my specific uh, questions and or thoughts about it.
0: Well, it was a clown show. I mean, and I think that was predictable. Mm-hmm. although the one thing that I did not predict, mainly because I guess I wasn't paying close enough attention, was that the audience was going to be peppered with Trump. Um, operatives Mm -hmm. and, you know, right-wing Trump voters, Mm -hmm. which was giving him the ability to go on national TV and essentially hold a rally. Yes. And a rally in which he had a, a foil there, Caitlin Collins, mm-hmm. who you know, I think I, I I think she did about as good as you could do. I don't have a lot of complaints about her. She was just kind of thrown into a situation that's unwinnable with that guy, mm-hmm. and so she he has his foil there that he can point to a young woman, you know, CNN reporter. And if you read the the, the um, Twitter feeds or anything, the responses from the right wingers and the Trumpers, you know, they they really went after her hard too. Of mm-hmm. course. Um so you know it, that that part I didn't expect. I didn't think it was going to be like a rally. I thought it would be and you know I should have realized well, that, the conceit, of course, that's
2: what it would be. The conceit being that it was a uh, a primary town hall for for yeah, Republican whatever. voters, right? <laughs> well, know? I no no I agree with you cuz I I didn't realize that either. I thought oh okay well there'll be Republicans and Democrats alike, independents and they'll all pepper him right, with the uh, public. Yeah. But, you know, uh, no, this was a Republican town hall.
0: Right, and and it was a Republican town hall, highly touted. The first one, as you point out, of the campaign, this was a big deal to have him come. We haven't seen him since 2016 on CNN. And, you know, we've all watched these rallies and, you know, just, just the horrifying nature of following the Donald Trump mm-hmm. news cycle is just a nightmare. But for most people, they were able to put him out of their minds. So they now he's back on... People are watching it and talking about it. And, you know, I uh, assumed that it would be a, a little less of a, you know, of a, of a big sort of celebration of Donald Trump, which yeah. is basically what it ended up being. Although I should have known better, because CNN is in a rating spiral. They're having, a, doing a lot of retooling. There's a lot of, um, you know, sort of turmoil with the Fox News audience. It seems obvious to me that CNN thought maybe they could, You know, cop some of those people Mm if they if they really you know put on the right show, and so that's what they did. Well, apparently, horrifying.
2: Apparently, it's easy to win them over because remember, for years they hated Elon Musk because he was a lefty who had an electric car company. Now he might as well be their god. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I got some uh, broader questions I want to get your thoughts about, uh, but one specific uh, point I just kind of want to make sure to to cite here. Um, I'm not going to play a lot of clips from from what happened. I'm not going to play any. Other than this one, because I know it's sort of like uh, fingernails on a blackboard to many of our listeners, including myself. But I I do want to play this one very short clip as uh, CNN's Caitlin Collins asked Trump directly if he had shared the documents that he stole from the White House, some of them highly classified with anyone else.
1: When it comes to your documents, did you ever show those classified documents to anyone?
2: Not really. I would have the right to. By the way, they were declassified after...
0: Not, uh, not that
2: I can think of. Let me just tell you, I have the absolute right to do whatever I want with them. No, he actually does not. He went on to cite the uh, Presidential Records Act over and over again as giving him this permission to keep these documents when actually the Presidential Records Act does the exact literal Opposite of that. But um, boy, uh, not really. Not that I not that I remember. Was that in any way convincing to you? Because I think that he may have just made uh, Jack Smith's probe of that matter even worse for himself.
0: Believe me, prosecutors all over (laughs) in all these cases were taking very, very meticulous notes. Because he said a number of things. That was one of them. Uh-huh. Um, he, it sounded as though, you know, and he was saying, yeah, we were negotiating and all of this. And she's going, wait a minute, there was a subpoena. What did he do? Right. They raided my house, you know, right. just a torrent of misinformation. Um, and yes, I do think that that was probably one of those moments where prosecutors were going, uh huh, okay. And they know something because we know there have been reports of him of them asking people in the grand jury if they know about some map or some other thing that that he's accused of showing to people and of course his uh-huh. defense is well I had a right to do it. He also said um something else. He was talking about the Georgia case when she asked him about that. Uh-huh. And um he you know he said a couple of things that were kind of crazy there about you know how I he used the words I asked him to give me the votes. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm. Which seems to me to be a little bit, you know, um, uh, you know, well, that one, that <laughs> guilt, one is, guilt talking there.
2: That one's very hard to lie about because it's actually on tape. It's on tape so yeah. he could try to say it was what a he
0: perfect phone call, perfect. Brad. Come on,
2: what I perfect. actually said was blah blah blah. Well, actually, the tape said otherwise. No. All right, <laughs> more more broadly uh, speaking, as I said, and I I think I. Uh, I, I You know, we're within 12, 24 hours of this event. I I think I need more time personally to marinate on what happened on CNN on Wednesday night. And I know a lot of folks opposed the town hall happening at all in the days leading up to it. My thinking beforehand was, hey, you know, he's the leading contender for the GOP nomination, like it or not. So why shouldn't he have a town hall on CNN? I'm now having second thoughts about that, but I'm not sure what the alternative is so i would ask you why shouldn't he have a town hall if for example other candidates uh, will be offered one in the coming weeks
0: well personally i think maybe he he you know i was i'm with you i had thought that maybe this was you know it's how what else are you going to do he's the front runner whether we like it or not Mm -hmm. he's got to be covered yeah um but in retrospect and looking particularly with the fact that they salted the audience, didn't salt the audience they filled the audience with with You know, his rally-goers, basically, Mm -hmm. which I think was a big mistake. And I'm realizing that this format is a really bad one for him. He feeds off of the audience. That is what gets him going. If he wants coverage on mainstream media, which apparently he does, I think it needs to be one-on-one interviews. You recall that the last time he was interviewed was by Diane Sawyer, and he Mm -hmm. got up and walked off. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, he walked off the set angry. Mm -hmm. Um, because he didn't like what was happening. If he has an audience, he gets that role, you know, that rally role, where he just starts spewing and spewing and spewing, and nothing... the, the, The moderator, or, you know, Caitlin Collins in this case... Said, really, even registered with him. You know, he was just, he just kept going yeah. and going. It was like she didn't exist, like the truth didn't exist. The yeah. facts were irrelevant. Yeah. And he was feeding off that audience response. And as they're laughing and cheering and doing all this, I think that that really gives him. So that format should be out for Donald Trump. Now, granted, he's the front runner, but he's also Donald Trump. So you, you have to take into account who this guy is and what, you know, how he's going to manipulate the situation mm-hmm. and Can find you... a different way. To cover him than that, but can I you think.
2: give him a different? Can you cover him differently, and then give everyone else the old-fashioned uh, town halls? By the way, that format, as I understand, was actually created by Roger Ailes, exactly, uh, to help Richard Nixon. Uh, you know, after his uh, disastrous debate performance with uh, with Kennedy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, it, it, these things are not meant necessarily to uh, help the uh, electorate as much as they are to help the candidate. But can you? can you give one format for Donald Trump and a different format for every other candidate in the race?
0: Probably not, but you know what, it's fine with me, retire the town hall I find them tedious anyway mm-hmm.
2: you know, yeah. I mean,
0: do, you know, find another have a panel, you know, of some kind of, of questioners
2: I will also do, I will also say that, the speaking of the panel of questioners, they struck me they weren't the questioners, they were the panel afterwards, they should have been the questioners but they were the panels afterwards, CNN has these huge panels I don't know what the point of that is. There's dozens of panelists. But uh, watching them, I felt that they all seemed incredibly embarrassed and ashamed to be on that network after what had just happened there.
0: Absolutely. All of them were, except for the people that they had planted on the panels that were right wing Trump operatives. And there were a couple of them. But Donald. Especially all the. Yeah. They even had some
2: right wingers on that panel, though, uh, Heather, that. Also seemed to be uh, embarrassed about what had just happened true, there.
0: True, there were some, and, and you know, some of the the regular um, you know CNN right wingers, and they've got a bunch mm-hmm. of them now. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I don't think there's any doubt that they were they were totally embarrassed. They were actually saying it out loud, you know. And this is this is a network that's in flux. I mean, this is a big part of the story. Is is what's happening with CNN, and it may be even you know just as important as what's. What happened with the town hall itself and Donald Trump, which is that, you know, CNN is in this situation. They are now owned by a guy named John Malone, Mm -hmm. who is a a far right winger, as Mm -hmm. right wing as Rupert Murdoch ever was. Mm -hmm. Also a media magnate who owned Sinclair. I'm sure you guys have talked about this a million times. Um, And they are under new ownership and Mm -hmm. they are under tremendous pressure to raise their ratings, but there is no doubt in my mind they're under tremendous pressure, and some of this is, is openly discussed, to be very, very um, critical. I mean, they're calling it centrist, but it isn't, of course. <laughs> no. But it's that they're under great pressure to move to a more conservative editorial stance. And I think that, you know, they're not there yet. Obviously, people like Jake Tapper or, mm-hmm. you know, Dana Bash or the rest of the people, John King, the rest of the people who were there— they're not they're not you know they're not willing to give Donald Trump any quarter but right. this this idea is creeping its way into the editorial stance of mm-hmm. CNN across the board if you watch it a lot which i do uh it's changing and i think that that's a huge story especially when you have Fox over there in turmoil and you know like they're doing things like they're taking on some of the house republicans on fox and and giving them a hard time because i you know they're looking to expand their uh, um,
2: viewership yeah. as well. A little. Well, I, I, I ain't buying it. Yeah. Go ahead, well,
1: I, I think one of the Silly things about this is anybody who's been around since you know 2000 or so, we've seen CNN do this periodically where they'll decide that they're suddenly going to be Fox News light and it never ever ever works out for them. So, um, I I don't think that they're going to suddenly be enjoying a flood of Fox News viewers coming in. I don't think that Republicans are ever 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 going to suddenly like CNN and start watching them. I don't think it helps them in any way whatsoever. And I think CNN, the leader. Leadership of CNN I think they know that mm. I don't think this is about you know oh we're gonna do some ratings I think this is because that John Malone guy yeah uh, who now uh, you know is the the huge influencer in how CNN has swift swiftly changed to be far more right-wing you know he actually praised Fox News Brett bear and Britt Hume mm-hmm. as the examples yes. of where he wanted CNN to go right. so I, I think that this <laughs> is this is intentional in my mind
2: yeah I think the bottom line here, and and because I know that they, a lot of Democrats are very mad at CNN for carrying this, you know, I, I do wonder, uh, as we talked about earlier, that you know w- what happened there on Wednesday night that might help Donald Trump among his people. I don't know if it actually helps among the broader uh, public politically, so. but uh, whether it does or doesn't, I think that my bottom line is. You know, as I see it, the media has one job, including myself, to inform and educate the electorate, period. And that's why we get, you know, unlike any other industry, we get special uh, dispensation from the U.S. Constitution. So the question that I have, and, and I'd be interested in both your thoughts on this, did CNN help to inform the electorate overall on Wednesday night? Heather?
0: Um, I think it, it there are two two answers to that. The first <laughs> is agree. yes, they reminded Chicken. people right, yeah. they reminded people that Donald Trump is Donald Trump, that he hasn't changed, if anything he's gotten worse and mm-hmm. his people are a bunch of jackasses. Mm-hmm. We were reminded of that, which is you know, I, I agree with you to the extent that, that you know, they, they need to do this. I'm not one to say don't ever cover Donald Trump. I think people need to see Donald Trump and they need to be reminded of what he is and what he's done, which they for the four years he was in office, they didn't need to do. He was the president, mm. but I think it's been two years, and I think reminding them is good. On the other hand, that torrent of lies that he threw out there, I think is really dangerous. And she did everything she could to try and fact check it. They tried to do it later, but some of that stuff just filters in, and and I do, and that is a dangerous thing to allow, and you know, a total liar to have mm. to to just have that kind of torrent. That tsunami of of dishonesty, mm-hmm. sort of, you know, go out to the public. And furthermore, I also think that we're, and I said this before, Donald Trump is sui generis. He's he's something different than any other politician. And I don't think it's. I mean, this is a guy who tried to overthrow the government. Um, you know, I I think I think there is. Um, Real danger in in media not taking that seriously and having to think very very hard about how they present this guy and how they get that in that information and the facts out to the public without uh, empowering him I, I think mm-hmm. it's I think that's very important
1: mm-hmm. yeah, I would agree and I, I don't know that I have seen much in the corporate media that shows that they are that interested in really covering Trump in that sort of Let's try to fact check him, Uh, at least not management. I think the reporters at CNN, like you guys mentioned, I think they were interested and hopeful that they would be able to fact check him live. And I think this proved once again that you cannot fact check him live and you should never have him on live because you can't do it. (laughs) And there's just gonna be that torrent of lies despite how hard Caitlin Collins tried. He just steamrolled right over her and it was as if she wasn't even there. So um, I, I, I personally would like to never see Trump live coverage again that's unlikely however
2: we might not want to see it we might not like to see it i think i'm what i'm sort of arguing here uh, mildly, as I noted. I've got a sort of marinade on all of this, and I'd love to hear from listeners on this. Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Maybe we'll share some of them on air in the days ahead. But uh, as unseemly as it was, as horrible as it was to watch, like I said, I I, I don't see anybody saying, hey, I like this guy. I was going to vote for Biden, but now I'm all in for Trump. I don't see that happening. I think, if anything else, it reminds the rest of the world just how terrible this human being is, and I think we'll end up actually, uh, you know, hurting him. But the bigger picture is that I think it's ultimately, and I could be wrong, so I I welcome your emails, Uh, I I think it's ultimately a good thing because I think that, as unseemly as it is, uh, we end up educating the electorate about who this guy is.
1: Right, so people get to see that not just Trump, but the Republican audience themselves that cheered and laughed and applauded Trump. They got to see that sort of disturbing spectacle and be reminded of that. I also thought it was good that we got to see rerun Donald. In other words, this is all the same stuff a bit more yeah. unhinged, but it's the same shtick. And I believe that being able to see that might actually help people get bored with it.
0: I I think it's also true, though, that he said some things that were actually just literally dangerous. Just yes. one example: he his stuff about Ukraine and say you know, which was just very, you know, obfuscatory, and mm-hmm. he was just sort of trying to cover what he really meant. But it was pretty clear. I'm sure Vladimir Putin heard him clearly mm-hmm. when he said, you know, within 24 hours. Uh, I will do it, and she said, do you want Ukraine to win? He would not say it. And so it's pretty clear. We know exactly what he meant. He would come in immediately upon becoming president. He would withdraw support and force Ukraine to surrender. That is what he said basically and that means the war that he was going on and on about that like, people are dying they're dying mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. he was saying all that um they're going to be dying at least until november 2024 now mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. because he said that and mm-hmm. there's no way that russia will do anything mm-hmm. uh point. until they know whether or not he's going to be president yeah. again and that is disgusting
2: it it is but i think that would be true whether he had said that out loud or not. Mm-hmm. And I. so I, I hear your point on that. But I think that was Putin is counting on that. He knows that's the case. He doesn't. Donald Trump doesn't need to say that out loud for Putin to know that. But the fact that Donald Trump said it out loud now means the rest of America knows that. And again, as horrible as it is, and I hear the point you're making about the danger These are the facts right now. And I think ultimately, um, knowing the facts, may be better than not knowing the facts. Again, I don't know. Hit me with email, bradcast at bradblog.com. Maybe we'll talk about it more in the days ahead. Uh, Fascinating conversation, uh, even if it's one I hate having, but I think we're going to have to have (laughs) it as we move forward. Thanks, Heather. Uh, Heather Oh, my pleasure. (laughs) Heather Digby-Parton is the much-beloved longtime blogger known simply as Digby. She is the award-winning columnist at uh, Salon.com. You can also find her blog, digbysblog.net, and you can find her on the Twitters at digby56. Thanks, Heather. We'll talk to you soon.
0: Okay. Thanks.
2: OK, got to get to uh, Green News report.
1: Yes. But, and, you know, I had a quick yeah, thought that okay. just occurred to me as yes. well, which is that I think that the bottom line for all of this yes. is that CNN basically decided it was going to try to get away with t- treating Trump as a normal candidate as if this is going to be some kind of normal routine presidential election that we have. And it is anything but. And I think that's where the biggest danger lies.
2: Yeah, but uh, obviously they they should have known that. They should have known better. They should have planned for it to do something else. I'm just not sure what that other thing is, what, yeah. what that else is. Uh, although seeing CNN employees, uh, panelists afterwards being so shocked about what just happened. I mean, I didn't give it much thought because I've been busy doing other things. Those people, that's their job. They had to, to show up for it. Things, yes. uh, shouldn't they have known? Why were they so shocked? Uh, they didn't think this thing through? Apparently not. Perhaps it will
1: jolt, jolt them out of their complacency.
2: Mm, I doubt it. <laughs> All right, quick break. and We're back with Desi Doyen and the Green News Report right here on the broadcast. I'm Brad Friedman. Hey, this is Brad. Please consider supporting whichever progressive media outlet is supporting you and the things that you care about. Most, just like us, do not receive corporate or political support. We all need your support to counter the powerful corporate media echo chamber. Right now, as much as ever, if you choose to support us, you can do it really easily, safely, and quickly via bradblog.com donate. From Desi Doyen and myself, thank you. you. Just looking over the rundown sheet here to see what's coming up on our Green News Report. Uh, Thinking, uh, well, this will cheer us up on the way out. Well. (laughs) Mm, Maybe not so much.
1: It's some good news. Anyway,
2: let's get to it our latest green news report. I don't
1: think there's any doubt that there will be pollutants getting into the water. Shell refinery fire in Houston finally extinguished, but pollution concerns remain. Biden administration proposes money-saving efficiency standards for dishwashers, plus
0: the Minnesota legislators did not back down from the onslaught of lobbying from corporations whose products are laced with these chemicals.
1: Minnesota to enact nation's strongest restrictions on PFAS forever chemicals.
2: All of those restrictions and more straight ahead from bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman and I'm Desi Doyen. Stand by for six minutes of independent green news, politics, analysis, and snarky comment it just occurred to me that liberals want to get rid of mechanical dishwashers and return to the humankind hence their embrace for cheap illegal labor great gut fox news do you not have anything good to offer to the world i think the question answers itself this is your green news report Okay, Desi Doyen Fox News may have nothing good to offer to the world, but you do every day on the Green News Report.
1: Well, we'll see about that. (laughs) Okay. First in Greenland, another study concludes that the Greenland ice sheet is melting faster than thought due to warming ocean waters melting it from below. The researchers discovered that daily tides of increasingly warmer water had eroded a 500 foot deep hole at the base of one of Greenland's major glaciers over just the last few years, accelerating its retreat. They say that dynamic mechanism is not Not factored in to models of sea level rise caused by global warming, meaning the extent of future sea level rise could be vastly underestimated.
2: Meaning they haven't been counting this as part of their calculation. Yep. Uh Uh-oh. In
1: Texas, a major chemical fire that injured nine workers at a troubled shell refinery near Houston this week was finally extinguished after three days. The company said tests showed no harmful levels of chemicals in the air. The company?
2: said that did they yep
1: but it was forced to release toxic wastewater runoff into the houston ship channel oh rice university environmental law professor jim blackburn told local news
2: well, i don't think there's any doubt that there will be pollutants getting into the water i think the question is environmental impact to the ship channel itself and
1: particularly to galveston bay which is one of the most important fisheries in the united states
2: Well, it may be important, but not as important as oil.
1: Shell's Deer Park Refinery Unit has a history of malfunctions and unauthorized pollution releases, recording at least eight incidents over the last two years. But state regulators issued no fines because Texas law relieves industrial operators of liability for pollution events as long as they're reported as accidents or emergencies.
2: Maybe we need to put Texas regulators in quotes
1: A new study out this week puts a price on the U.S. oil and gas industry's costs to human health. Calculating that pollution from U.S. oil and gas production causes about $77 billion in impacts to public health nationwide every year. And oil and gas production contributes to more than 7,500 excess deaths and nearly half a million asthma attacks in the U.S. annually. The biggest impacts are in Texas, Pennsylvania, Ohio, Oklahoma, and and Louisiana.
2: Yeah, but those numbers don't take into account all of the profits that the oil companies actually make, right? True.
1: Some good news. The Department of Energy has proposed new efficiency rules for dishwashers, the first in more than a decade, that will save Americans money on water and energy bills. Manufacturers would be required to reduce energy consumption by nearly 30 percent, collectively saving more than $160 million on utility bills every year. The Biden administration also launched a $4 billion effort to electrify U.S. ports to reduce significant air pollution in nearby communities. The Environmental Protection Agency has ordered chemical giant Chemours to stop discharging extremely high levels of toxic PFAS chemicals into a major West Virginia river that provides drinking water for 5 million people.
2: Oh, I'm sure they'll do that right away.
1: PFAS chemicals are linked to major illnesses like cancers and autoimmune diseases and are called forever chemicals because they don't break down in the environment. Finally, in Minnesota, state lawmakers are on the verge of passing a major bill with some of the toughest PFAS regulations in the nation. The law bans PFAS chemicals for all but the most essential uses. It's named for Amara Strandy, who spent her final months campaigning for the restrictions before she died of a rare liver cancer last month at 21. Here's her father, Michael Strandy.
0: Through her pain and exhaustion, Amara was willing to be a voice of those who have become the victims of illnesses that are linked to these forever chemicals. Amara called on the lawmakers of Minnesota to do what is right in passing laws that will not only protect our environment and human lives, but also force industries to find alternative ways of manufacturing their products without
2: these deadly chemicals. Thank you, Amara. Thank you, Minnesota. For much more on all of these stories and the ones we couldn't get to today, check out our website at greennews.bradblog.com. I'm Brad Friedman. And I'm Desi Doyen. And this has been your Green News Report.
0: Nothing ever lasts forever. Nothing ever lasts forever.
2: Thank you very much, Desi Doyen. Yes, like I said, it's
1: not the the most positive news in the world, but it's uh, good news out of bad,
2: I suppose. My thanks as well to our guest today, Heather Digby-Parton of Salon and Hollabaloo, and to all of you for spending a portion of your day or night with us. It's always appreciated, always our honor. If you missed any portion of today's program, want to listen again, share it with anyone you know, you can download it anytime for free at bradblog.com that made possible no paywall all made possible by those of you who support our work at bradblog.com slash donate please consider signing up for a uh, monthly automated subscription of any amount you like you and only you keep us on your public airwaves Drop me an email if you like. I'm bradcast at bradblog.com. Would love to hear from y'all on uh, what what you thought of what happened on uh, Wednesday night on CNN. Bradcast at bradblog.com. And you'll find me on the Facebooks, Twitters, and Mastodons at Green News Report. We'll see you there until we see you here next time.
1: Actually, you're at the Brad Blog. I'm at the Green News Thank Report. Thank you. I'm at Green News Report.
2: Who, and so, who am I at?
1: <laughs> the Brad Blog.
2: The Brad Blog told you I was tired alright that's it we'll see you there until we see you here next time I'm Brad Friedman good luck world nothing ever lasts forever